Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hey everybody, welcome to Stacy Connects. I of course am Stacy Heller, your host for the next hour. At its heart, this show is about making connections through conversation. It's about asking questions instead of making assumptions. And it's about engaging the elephant in any room. I love myself an elephant in the room. Uh, thank you, of course, to all of those of you that listen, whether it's live or later via podcast. If you like the show, then share it, subscribe, rate, leave a comment, all of those things that people are constantly asking you to do. Um, and remember, if you just can't get enough of me and Eric, you can also listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk, which is on Thursdays from 3 to 4, and that is on 880 Kixie. And you can also listen to the podcast version, of course. Um if you want to call in and chat, feel free to do so. You can call in to 425-373-5527. Otherwise, shoot me a text or call 475-999-2726. Okay, so my guest today is Leela Ward. Hey, Leela. There. So she is joining me remotely, and uh, that's because Leela has about 15 different jobs that she does. Um, and so getting her on the show, you either have to plan way in advance or you have to ask her last minute. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's how you get her. Uh, so we are going to be talking a little bit about her company, but we're also going to be talking about plastic surgery today. Leela has had some plastic surgery. She's very open, sharing her experience, what she's done and why. And going back to my intro into the show, the whole don't make assumptions, ask questions, I was like, you know what? Let's talk about that. So, uh, but first, before we do that, of course, I have to share my conversations and observations from this past week. So, a couple things. One, uh, I met today with uh, Tracy Franks. He is the spouse of Monica Franks. Monica and her mother, Maria Bartlow, were on the show back in April of this year. And they did a show called You Complete Me. And it is uh, the show was during National uh, Living Donor Month. And Odin, who is Maria's son and Monica's brother, is still in need of a kidney. And so I just wanted to remind people, I was asking Tracy how he's doing, and he's still on the list. People are still, I think, uh, very overwhelmed by the idea of donating an organ while alive. But by the way, you don't need it. You will be fine. And at the very least... Uh, listen to the episode and get educated about what it means to be a living donor. And, you know, we're heading into the season of giving. And I mean, how about giving the ultimate gift of life? And even if you're not prepared to do it or get tested yourself, even listening to and sharing the episode 
he just needs that one person that's willing to go that extra step. I tested and found that uh, I made it to a point where we were having a conversation about if I would be a good match, but they informed me that the only kidney that I needed to save at that point was mine. (laughs) So I was like, all right, well, I didn't get to save Odin's life, but perhaps Odin saved mine. So turnaround is fair play and all that. Um, So anyway, just a reminder and a request to listen to that episode. Again, it's called You Complete Me, and uh, it's in the podcast. You can find it wherever you listen, and it's from April 5th. Um, Okay. I went to see last week, actually, after uh, I did the show, Jagged Little Pill at the Paramount in Seattle, and I went with my friend, Cherry. Thanks, Cherry. And, uh, and actually, Leela's husband drove us in, uh, but more about that later. And I didn't really know what to expect. I knew Jagged Little Pill is the name of an album that Alanis Morissette put out. And so I know that it was huge and the songs are powerful. She's quite the storyteller through her lyrics. I was not prepared for the story that was told. It hit actually quite close to home. Uh, similar to Mama Mia, the um, the writer, so Diablo Cody, who has written screenplays like Juno before, um, she chose to basically tell a story through Alanis Morissette's songs about a family that is in Connecticut you know, the cute blonde wife, the overworked husband, the perfect son, and then they adopted a uh, baby, and she is black. And so the scene or the, the play opens with them writing the annual Christmas letter about how everything is perfect. You know, she's doing all of these various activities. Her husband works super hard. Their son just got into Harvard, and their daughter is, you know, uh, an avid activist. And so all truths and yet all lies. Because, let's face it, when we're sending out the Christmas letter, it may be the truth, but there's also a lot of lies. And as the show goes How on... How ironic. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> Don't you think? I, I really do think. <laughs> <laughs> and so the play, it was just this whole thing... With, you know, the son not really feeling like he's worthy of these things. The husband who is checking out porn because he has a loveless marriage at home. The wife who had an accident uh, is now addicted to pain meds and is trying to numb all of the fear and helplessness she has um, from raising her kids. Uh, Their daughter you know, well-intentioned parents, but she's like, I don't relate to any of these white folks that I'm living among, and my experiences are not the same. And it was just, it was a lot and amazing and uh, a really powerful play. So if you have the opportunity to see it, I highly recommend it. I don't, it may have already left, I don't know. Um, But it was a very thoughtful piece, and it ends with the Christmas letter and uh, a much more authentic version and kind of the last Christmas letter that she's ever going to write because she's like, people that write Christmas letters are bleeps. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, so it was powerful. I I don't know what else to say about it except that uh, it's the whole thing about people uh, talking about how they want to be authentic and talking about how, you know, oh, I share these things. But we even curate our problems and make our problems seem somehow better. I don't know. It was it was powerful. I'm still talking about it a week later. So there you go. Uh, by the way, hi to mom. Mom left me a message this morning. She called me at like 730 in the morning and I was not ready to get up yet. So I did not answer the phone. So thanks for the message, mom. I appreciate your good luck call every week. I think it makes the show better. Uh, that said, I was not going to answer the phone at that hour. So just letting you know. Uh, okay, holiday shopping. So this is on my mind because it's that time of the year, the time of the year when people start doing annoying things like counting down how many shopping days are left until Christmas before we even get through Thanksgiving. You know, that time when people are like, oh, are you done with your holiday shopping? I did mine over the summer. Yeah, it's that time of year. So... It is it is official. I continue to turn into my mother and my father because I am at that age and stage and my kids are at that age and stage where we're starting to buy them art. Because what do you give kids who really just want cold, hard cash and, you know, maybe some new socks and undies from Santa and, you know, that really nice perfume that they can't afford or whatever. And those are great gifts but it's sort of like what is the lego set equivalent when you're you know 20 to 27 that isn't cold hard cash and so you if you're a long time listener then you know that i come from a long line of artists my grandfather my father now uh, my brother is an artist my sister-in-law sky she's an artist and so my brother just did a show and he was selling some of his work and I am going to buy each of the kids a piece of his work. Now, I know you're all thinking, why are you saying this? They're going to know. My kids don't listen to this show. Like, 100% they don't listen to this show. You're also not specifying what piece. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything, right? And my brother, his... His photographs, he has a whole series that he does that's uh, called Cones. It's spelled K-O-A-N-S. It is actually traffic cones that he takes from kind of a bird's eye view. And he does these amazing like Mandela type effects with these images repeated over and over again. And, you know, really cool um, colors and and unbelievable. And... I'm like, maybe I could just get the kids a traffic cone. I mean, the inspiration behind the art, right? I mean, and I could have like a little placard on it that's like by Peter Emmerich. I don't think they'd appreciate that. Right? I mean, that's something that Airman Transportation should have when you eventually have like a brick and mortar garage with the fleet. You need the traffic cone art. Right. That would be so cute. I love his art. It's beautiful. It's yeah, it is really beautiful. And so uh, so shout out to my brother. And if you are looking for a unique gift to give, I realize that art is subjective and it's hard to buy artwork for someone else. However, in this case, because he's also their uncle, 
it has more, even more meaning. Uh, but who doesn't love traffic cone art? And so go ahead and be subjective and buy the art. There, I said it. Um, okay, my stasism. So last week during therapy, I was talking to the gal that I speak with, and I was talking about uh, how I approach life like a gymnast that does the vault and how, like, I run full bore forward and it's great. And then I jump up in the air and obviously I vault, right? And then I'm flailing through the air and it is not pretty. There's something going on up there. I may be flipping, twisting, goodness knows what's happening, but, like, it looks good. There's a lot of movement, but who knows what's happening. And then at the end... I stick the landing. And so the intention is there, and I stick the landing. However, the mental gymnastics that I go through while I'm up in the air, twisting and turning and, and like, pulling myself inside out is, like, so much. So we were talking about this, and she said, has it occurred to you that you are the Russian judge? Because I was talking about back in the day when I was a kid and like with gymnastics, you know, it was always like the judges from Russia always seemed to score uh, the lowest. Like they are very hard judges. So that's where that reference comes from, by the way. Uh, And so it occurred to me that uh, with that, this whole idea of when we're how we judge ourselves and that we are really our our most difficult judge. Like, nobody else knows that I'm going through all kinds of mental and emotional gymnastics when it's happening. And, by the way, people are just happy if I come back to Earth. They don't really care if I stick the landing and I stick my butt out and my arms up in the air and wave. Uh, They're just like, cool. Because, let's face it, uh, we're all focused on our own stuff. We're not focused on the other person as much as we all think. So, you know, if you're going to judge yourself, maybe the first step is not judging yourself like the Russian judge. How about that? So that's my stasiism for today. Um, Okay, so with that, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to chat with Leela Ward of Airman Transportation about transportation and plastic surgery. Keep listening. Do you feel challenged by the thought of getting ready every day? Want to make a great first impression, but don't feel your wardrobe represents who you really are? Does the thought of trying to find great clothing that fits your body and lifestyle have you overwhelmed? Michael Bruce Image Consulting is a premier image consulting company that can help you get your style back on track. Contact them at michaelbruceimageconsulting.com or call them at 425-214-4155 and start that conversation today. Stacy Connects, it's not just my business, it's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. 
Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp. That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Stacey Connects. I am Stacey Heller. I mentioned before the break that my guest today is Leela Ward. And I met Leela through my business networking group, Plateau Partners. Hey, shout out crew. And I remember when Leela first visited the chapter, she came in and I was like, I have so many ideas for her and for what she can do with her business. And I was just very struck by her and her presence and the poise with which she showed up. Um, She just didn't seem to be sweating it at all, which maybe a lie. I don't know. What's your recollection? Oh, man, I was so nervous. I remember uh, being invited to the meeting and I didn't know what to expect. I actually didn't even know that we were supposed to do commercials. So I once I sat down and I started noticing that people were going around the room and giving like these 30 second commercials. I was like, well, you know, this seems like this is going to come around to me and I'm going to have to do the same thing. So I had to think of it like right on the spot and I had no idea like what to say. It was very, very nerve wracking and um, I was really anxious about it. But um, you guys were all so nice to me and made me feel very comfortable. And um, yeah, it was really it was, and you know, here, here we are like four years later and B&I is such a huge part of my business. You know, over 30 percent of my revenue comes from B&I now. So uh, I'm glad sometimes those uh, uncomfortable moments uh, turn out to be really great things right? in your life. You yeah. stuck the landing, as they say. Like, people don't know what's going on while you're doing all of those, like, you know, stunts and moves in your head and in your heart and in your body. And, like, and you stuck the landing. And so there you are. Um, right. And we'll talk a little bit more. So to give you background, Leela is in BNI because she is the owner and operator, second generation owner operator of a business called Airman Transportation. And so uh, basically, like, need to go to the airport? Call Airman. Uh, have a play you're going to in Seattle and you don't want to drive? Call Airman. Oh, do you have an event that you need to have, like, a whole bus or, you know, van? Like, call Airman. So they are your go-to for transportation, and they're amazing. So thank you. That's that's the short uh, thing. And when I reached out to Leela, I was like, we can talk about that or we can talk about plastic surgery. We can talk about both. We can talk about neither. And she was like, let's face it. People are going to want to talk about the plastic surgery thing. Right. And so that was the answer I was hoping that (laughs) you would have. Uh, But I, you know, it's not good to make assumptions. You've got to ask questions. And. So you have had a couple different procedures done. And so to start, what are the different things that you've had done? Okay, so well, it started uh, in 2016 with me getting lip filler. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, no, let's rewind even farther than that. Uh, When I had my first child in 2011, and I had uh, about two years after he was born, I had a breast reduction. Um, and that was here in Seattle. And it was against my plastic surgeon's uh, suggestions. He suggested that I wait until I was uh, finished having children. And 
but you know, I was young, I was like 24 years old and I wanted to have, you know, the body that I wanted to have. And I knew I wasn't done having children, but I thought, eh, you know, whatever, I'll do it now. And if I need to redo it later, I'll do that. So I had a breast reduction in 2013. And, um, and then I had my lip filler done in 2016. Uh, I have constantly been getting my, my lips done since then. But um, then in COVID hit, and I thought, uh, you know, we were home for, for a while. And I thought, you know, this is a good time for me to start doing uh, all of the surgeries that I've been wanting to do. I've had three children now, and uh, I think I'm done. So I thought this would be the perfect time. So I started with a blepharoplasty here in Seattle, which is um, a, like removal of uh, like extra fat on the top of my eyelids. Uh, and so I had that done here. And then um, about a year later, I had a Brazilian butt lift in Miami. And uh, six months later, I had a mommy makeover, which was a uh, extended tummy tuck with um, breast lift and augmentation. And I had uh, also 17 areas of lipo uh, along with my Brazilian butt lift. So oh, I've had yeah. quite, quite the ride. Yeah, you have had quite the ride. So, uh, so tell me about um, your, like, what is your ideal of beauty? So, you know, like, the role models of what you see as ideal beauty? For me, Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, that's the, the kind of look that I was always going for. Um, you know, I, I'm Middle Eastern, so um, I, I thought, I always called myself Kylie Jenner. I always said, like, I'm going to be like her, I'm going to look like her. So that's kind of what I've been striving uh, to achieve. And, um, but more of like the Kim Kardashian body, that's, that's what I really like. Got it. And there's they get so much flack, especially recently. Uh, so I don't watch the show, but, you know, got to love uh, news channels for keeping you up to date on these things, keeping up with the Kardashians. Right. Uh, you know, about like Chloe and Kim being really obsessed with their weight right now and things like that. Uh, what is it like for you to watch people that are your role models like even with them having these ideal bodies and ideal of beauty for you, and then they're complaining. Does that, like, I don't know, I'm not even going to suggest. What is that like to to see and hear? Yeah, for me, I really don't like the way that they handle um, their body image on online. Well, it, for the whole world, you know. Uh, they. I don't like that they don't admit to having plastic surgery. <clears throat> I think that they create these... Um, unrealistic and unachievable um, body goals for young women and uh, they think that all they have to do is exercise or all they have to do is take this diet pill or eat right and they'll be able to get these you know big butts and you know big boobs and and it just doesn't work that way uh, so that's really something that I I cannot stand and it's not just with them but like with everybody who has a large platform like even Beyonce and you know everybody who's got these huge platforms and these young women look up to them and they just don't admit to having plastic surgery I think is really a terrible thing to put out there for for young vulnerable women so um I yeah to answer your question I don't like the way that they handle that I wish that they'd be more open about it um 
I think they'd inspire a lot more people actually that way if they were open and honest about it. Because with my personal journey and being so open about all of the plastic surgery that I've had, um, I've inspired a lot of women locally to have surgery. I, I've had, you know, at least seven women here in Seattle go down to Miami to my same doctor to have surgery with him. So I think they'd get a lot more respect, honestly, for just admitting it's something that we all know is already happening. Well, so for you, like when you are looking at them as sort of your ideal of beauty, you're not like in this, you know, oh, I can just do this, this and this. You're like, no, I fully know that I'm going to have to do these surgeries and do this. But I really like how that looks and I want to look that way. Yeah, exactly. I gained a lot of weight. You know, I'm, I'm five, two, five, one and a half. And I had gone up to 230 pounds after having three kids. And uh, I kind of just like lost myself. And I, I used to be very like a petite girl with a really nice, what I thought was a nice body. And I felt very comfortable in the way that I looked. I, I loved myself. And after having three kids and gaining so much weight, you know, like almost a hundred pounds, I really felt like a different person. I, on the outside was not who I was on the inside. So on the inside, I felt like this bougie, you know, bad B girl. And on the outside, like my, my look was not this was, it wasn't matching up. So I kind of just like got it together, you know, in 2020. And I was like, I have to do something about it. And if I don't do it now, then this is like the ultimate excuse that I've ever made in my life. You know, it's like I could take time off of work. There was no work, right? right. I worked in the transportation industry. So there nobody was, nothing, was going anywhere. Right. And I had the money to do it. And but the problem was that I had to lose a significant amount of weight prior to doing it. So, yeah, I look at these women and I know that that they had to have these surgeries and they have the money to do it. But um, I knew that I had to do the leg work first. I had to lose some weight and uh, just to get my my uh, BMI within the the right range. In sure. order to surgery. So I had to lose 50 pounds and uh, before my my Brazilian butt lift. And that was really difficult because I I was having I was set to have surgery in March, I believe. And I put off starting my like, quote unquote, dieting until January. So that's that's a significant amount of weight to lose in a short period of time. Right. So I kind of was like, well, you know what, we're gonna have to do this like in an unhealthy way. I already know that I went to go see uh, Dr. Busy Riley in Issaquah. And I talked to her about doing uh, the HCG diet. And so under her uh, supervision, I did it. And I did it for two weeks or two months, I was very committed to it. And I lost the 50 pounds. Um, so at that point I was really proud of myself and I thought like, there's no stopping me now, you know, I'm, I'm on this journey and I'm going to get that body that I want. And I started being really open with it on Facebook and Instagram and, uh, social media in general. And people were like, oh my gosh, like, I've never seen somebody be so open about it. This is so cool. You're inspiring me. Like, uh, this is something that I've always wanted to do something like almost taboo that people don't talk about, especially a Brazilian butt lift, you know? Sure. So. Well, and it's, you know, it's definitely, it's one of those conversations that falls into the don't make assumptions that like, that you're naive is to think that like, oh, by the way, now, you know, everything's going to be easier or, you know, um, whatever it is that people assume 
about those that have plastic surgery. Um, Did you, so some of the questions that I have is if you decide that you're going to do this, when you go in to see your doctor and you're having the conversation about whatever it is, is there a kind of a mental health check to see if you have a healthy outlook on what your expectations are and what your goals are? You know, if you're doing it, the surgery is here in Seattle. I think, yeah, there, I did definitely go through that, that kind of, um, uh, like protocol with my surgeon here in Seattle, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a very different experience, but unfortunately, and I'm, this is me just being very transparent, very open. Yeah. The reason that I went to Miami was, um, number one, because I wanted a dramatic look. I wanted, you know, a big butt and a very small waist. And, uh, I just knew that I couldn't achieve those results here in Seattle. Um, based on my research, um, there was nothing even close to what I what I wanted when I was looking at before and after pictures. So that was the one of the reasons that I decided to go to my to Miami, but also price. So here, if I were to do the uh, the surgery here, it would have been like twenty thousand dollars for the Brazilian butt lift, whereas in Miami it cost me four thousand dollars. So. Um, you get what you pay for, right? Like the, the results were great. They're, they're, they know what they're doing. That's they're doing this all day long. Right. Sure. Uh, but you don't get the same kind of, uh, before and after care that you would if you do it here. So they weren't as concerned with my mental, uh, right. state or like if I had <clears throat> realistic, uh, you know, um, ideas about what I was going to look like, they, they weren't really concerned with that. They it's just kind of a pay to play. Exactly. They didn't even, you know, they, they make you do your blood, your blood work. Of course, you have to like go through uh, a series of, um, you know, getting your, your blood work and you do have to get clearance from a doctor here in Seattle and, and all of that. Uh, but they don't, even when I, when I went there, we didn't even discuss what, what we were going to do. He just kind of said, I know what I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, I'm going to make you smaller here, make you bigger here and let's go. I really have no say in it. And I was okay with that. I had really uh, realistic expectations and I trusted the doctor and I was really happy with my results. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you look fab. Um, So I am just that much older than you that I feel like, you know, the social media influence on our uh, ideals of beauty. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, I grew up looking at Seventeen magazine every month and seeing like the stars that were on the cover or the pretty girls that had like a perfect complexion and didn't seem to, you know, have a care in the world. And it was like, here's my skincare regime. I just wake up in the morning like this. And, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, and, you know, coming of age in the 80s with the supermodels like Linda Evangelista and Christy Turlington and Claudia Schiffer and Cindy Crawford, uh, you know, they all looked like all at once fresh faced and yet like strikingly like stunning and, um, you know, whatever. So there's all all of that that is in magazines and that kind of thing. Uh, I feel like, though, as social media is like it's not just once a month on the cover of magazines and if you're pursuing that it's like everywhere so do you think that that influenced then your ideal of beauty and wanting to do that more than say somebody like me who has all the same insecurities and you know I 
wish that I had smaller breasts. I wish that I had like longer legs. I wish that I had, you know, a smaller tummy. Um, so do you think that the difference and the normalizing of it is the relationship with social media? Yeah, for sure. I think that's the way that we're, we're normalizing it is via social media. And I think that it should be normalized. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate to me that people have such a, there's such a stigma around plastic surgery, because if I want to do what I want to my body to look the way that I want, and I'm not hurting anybody else, and I'm taking the proper steps to make sure that I'm doing it as safely as I believe that I can do it, then I don't know why people have such harsh judgments. And I've definitely been judged harshly on social media. And, uh, you know, it's been kind of like a 50-50 reaction between people who are almost disgusted and very uncomfortable with what I've done and how I've shared my journey Mm -hmm. and people who are inspired. So social media is kind of like this, it can be this great vessel uh, for, for people to learn and get ideas and uh, be influenced. Uh, but, you know, it's a, a double-edged sword because we can be also influenced um, badly. Totally. Well, and I, you know, it's like people forget that there, it's, again, it's not a um, an, an or thing or a but. It is like, you know, from a mother's standpoint, like if I'm your mom, I'm like, Leela, you're beautiful. God gave you an amazing body. Your parents gave you an amazing body. Um, you know, you're stunning inside and out. And, and I can tell you all of these things. And that means nothing to you if you don't feel that way. And so, you know, people don't realize that that, that doesn't help. I mean, that's nice, but it's like, okay, but I don't reconcile, as you said, with the person that you're describing and how I feel. And so I can say, I think you're beautiful inside and out. And I respect the fact that if you don't feel the same way, then it's your body and it's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like a different person now and I'm happier. And why is that bad? Right. Right. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and I want to talk about, you know, speaking of the loving yourself and loving your body, you have a daughter. I want to talk about that. And you have sons. I want to talk about that. So keep listening to Stacey Connects and my guest, Leela Ward. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered working with an image consultant or stylist, but were worried about what the experience would be like? If that sounds like you, then Michael Bruce Image Consulting is here to help. They've worked with thousands of people, and many of those individuals have shared their experiences by way of style stories. Go to michaelbruceimageconsulting.com slash style stories and check out what their delighted clients have to say about their experiences. Stacy Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, 
go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. I am Stacy Heller. I'm joined today by Leela Ward. So we have been talking about Leela's plastic surgery journey. Uh, she mentioned before the break some of the treatments that she's had. And, you know, we've been talking about where that ideal of beauty came from and the influences that Leela has had. And before the break, I asked the question about she's got a daughter, she's got sons, uh, and your mom. What did your mom have to say? I'm sure she had an opinion. I know your mom. She has opinions. Uh, What did she have to say about you having these different procedures done? My mom was totally on board. She was always very, uh, like, empathetic, and she knew that me having that, you know, gaining all of that weight was turned me into a different person. So she wanted me to do whatever uh, I needed to do to get that old Leela back. And she was totally on board. But what I do regret, and I, you know, something that I hadn't thought about was how I handled uh, the journey in front of my daughter, because she is six years old now. And, uh, and she wants to be just like, me. you know, she's always telling me like, you're so much prettier than me. I want to look like you. Like, it's not fair and things like that. So she already has like this kind of like warped image about herself. And, uh, and because I was so open about my plastic surgery journey, um, she started looking at herself and saying things like, am I chubby? Um, do you think that I'm going to have surgery when I get older? Uh, am I going to get a bigger butt when I get older? Things like that. And uh, it really messed with me. And uh, I was so sad when she started saying things like that. And I had really, I realized like that, like that's my fault. You know, I talked about it so openly and I made it something that was so important to me. You know, it's like very vain of me to say these things out loud. And I know that, but for me, like it was important for me to look, look good. I wanted to look good. So Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was going to be doing some damage uh, to my daughter's, um, you know, like the way that she looks at herself, her self image. So if I could go back and change anything, I think that's the one thing that I would change. I don't think that I would like let her know what I was doing. Right. And, you know, and I'm sure it then impacts your conversations with her. So do you find that you're now transparent about how you talk to her about those regrets that you have? And like, listen, you know, like, this is a decision that I made and, you know, I don't, however you handle it. Like, it's a tricky thing. Like, however, how often do we give a message of like, do what I say, not what I did? Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, and so I, I just kind of instilled now in her that, uh, that yeah, like, yeah, this is what mommy did, right? I did this because I'm an adult and I had children and my body changed because I had children. But, uh, but I, I, I drill into her now that, uh, like we don't call ourselves fat. We don't say, uh, you know, why am I not pretty? Why do I not look like that? We don't talk about that. Um, Anytime that she she starts to say anything like she's chubby or or am I fat or anything like that, 
And I would say, we don't care about that. We don't care if somebody's fat. We don't care if we're fat. We care if we're healthy. We eat when we're hungry and we don't think twice about it, you know? And so I do that in front of her. Like I let her see that I do eat what I want. And, um, and I'm not like constantly on a diet and, right. uh, yeah. So well, I'm in you, that control right now. You talked about the fact that, you know, you felt like your inside and your outside didn't match. So I know you and I know what your inside is like. You are like a firecracker. You know, you are sassy and determined and smart and savvy and all of these things. And, you know, for people that are hating on this out there, you know, when you start to question that, you know, how often is it like, well, I'm going to get a haircut or I'm going to, you know, lose some weight or I'm going to do this. And that's fine. Uh, you've never wanted to improve the inside of you. You've always thought that the inside of you is dynamite. Yeah. You just wanted the outside to feel as dynamite as the inside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like wearing my mom's clothes and uh, I would just uh, literally run, like go into her closet and choose whatever fit me, which was not much. Right. And I would just wear it. And it was like, you know, no hate to, to my mom. Uh, sorry, mom, if you're listening, but it was like old grandma clothes, you know, and that's what I was, I don't know if you remember, but that's what I wore like all the time. And it's because like the clothes that I wanted to wear didn't fit me. Yeah. And, and I didn't look good in them. I thought I didn't look good in them. So, um, so now that I can wear the clothes that I want to wear, I feel like, uh, you know, you know, you say like, when you, when you look good, you feel good. Yeah. And, and I feel like I can, do a lot more when I'm confident. So now, uh, so your adorable husband, Jarrell, who I have an open, fully open crush on, like <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Uh, he is a doll. And um, so how is this for him? Because he's in a tricky situation because I know that he didn't say like, hey, babe, like I wish you had, you know, a bigger butt. This was fully driven by you. So then he's in that awkward situation where it's like, if he says too much, then you're getting a message of, yes, do it. But if he doesn't say anything, like, so where did he fall on all of this? Yeah, he was against it to begin with because uh, Brazilian butt lift is the most dangerous plastic surgery uh, that you could do. It has the highest death rate. And I was doing it in Miami with a surgeon who was not board certified. Um, and so he was nervous and he did not like the idea of it at all. So of course he wanted me to, he like, he's a butt, butt man. Like he wanted me to have a big butt and, um, and, but he was so scared that he was going to lose me even. And it wasn't an easy journey. You know, when I went down there and had my surgeries, like I had lots of, um, complications. It wasn't easy, smooth sailing. And, uh, I remember him telling me when I, when I had my Brazilian butt lift, I went down there alone and I called him when I got out of surgery, but, when, but I had so many text messages from him, uh, prior to that phone call saying, please call me. Why is it taking so long? Um, what happened? Please God, let nothing have happened to my wife. And he cried when I called him, he was like, thank you. I'm so glad, you know, nothing happened to you. And, um, yeah, so he was definitely against it, and uh, he wanted me to, you know, look good and feel good, but he was scared. 
Sure. And then I mentioned you have two boys. So then equally having a conversation with the boys in terms of supporting the women in their life. Uh, so and they're young. I mean, your kids are young, yeah. uh, you know, but that becomes a conversation similar to how you talked about it in front of your daughter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's the conversation that happens there? Yeah, so my youngest boy is only four, so I haven't really ever had any uh, real discussions with him about it, but Armani, my oldest son, is going to be 12 soon, and so I talked about it openly with him, and I showed him, you know, uh, what the surgeries uh, were going to do prior to me going down, and I showed him, like, what the results were going to be like, and explained to him why I wanted to do it, and how, you know, I looked a certain way before having them, and I just want to look that way again so I can feel confident and Mm -hmm. be happy. So, you know, they weren't, uh, Armani was totally, uh, he had a, a clear understanding of why I was doing it. And um, I, I think that I handled that part of it well. Well, and he's come of age, you know, at the age that he is with social media and influence yeah. and awareness that, you know, it's like, okay, I see it. And, you know, it goes back to uh, the jagged little pill and the conversation about, you know, the transparency of like we even want our you know problems to seem like everything's great you know and I'm like uh it's like the humble brag right like even the things that are going like terribly in my life like stuck the landing ha 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 uh and that's something that's been really refreshing about your approach to your choices to have plastic surgery like you have shared the good the bad and the ugly and there has been good bad and ugly and you know you're like fully own the choices that you've made and are unapologetic in the choices that you've made. Because by the way, what's the point of regretting something that you've, the choice has been made? Right. And I documented it from like beginning to end uh, on Facebook. I, you know, I started talking about it in the very beginning when I started making the appointments. And then I started uh, kind of blogging and blogging um, my, my journey. And I showed every single part of it and uh, I think that that's important too when you're going to when you're going to share something like that on a platform where anybody can see it and be inspired by you I wanted people to know that like yeah my results came out fantastic I love the results I got what I wanted but I went through the ringer getting there yeah Um, so you know I would put like trigger warnings you know yep you're gonna see blood you're gonna see you know like yep black and blue marks and like you know. And I was like draining myself, you know, with needles here in Seattle because nobody would touch me here. I, I developed a seroma after my tummy tuck and uh, the kind of like the only suggestion, the only solution that anybody gave me here was that I needed to go back to Miami. And that just wasn't an option for me. So yeah. I had to drain the seroma myself every day for almost a month so you know things like that I showed all of that so I was really open about it so that people didn't think like oh this will be great all I have to do is like make an appointment and save money and it's smooth sailing you know it's definitely not the easy way out to have plastic surgery it's absolutely not I had a really hard time and then what is the like the upkeep like for instance you've mentioned the lip injections so if you don't keep that up what do your lips go back to how they were or, you know, there's like the the myth, like when you were a kid, uh, you know, your 
your mom maybe told you like, oh, if you pluck your brows, like they're not going to grow back. Or if you grow it, if you pluck a chin hair, it's going to come back like, you know, longer and harder or whatever. So do your lips go back to how they were or do your lips suddenly become like (laughs) (laughs) some flabby, like bunch of skin that you're like, great. Now what am I going to do? Yeah, no, that doesn't happen with your lips. Um, so you have to do your lips like usually your body will metabolize the uh, filler between six to nine months after having it done. Honestly, I'm not really sure what happened the last time I got my lips done because it's been uh, almost three years since I had my lips done last. And I remember her telling me that she was going to use a different type of filler this time. And my body has not metabolized it. Like my lips are still as big as they were when I got them done. So I have no idea what she put in my lips or, or what happened there. But um, I think they're like permanently big at this point. I don't know. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. So then with the other uh, with the other surgeries, do you have to do things to like maintain like if there's weight gain or like, you know, do you have to have touch ups? Like what is the is it a lifelong commitment then to these choices? Yeah, for sure. So uh, with the with the breast implants uh, there, they do suggest that you get them redone every 10 years. Um, so you have to explant and then and put new ones in. Um, if you gain weight, so with the Brazilian butt lift and the liposuction, they remove the fat cells from, you know, the, the 17 areas and, and put them in my butt. So now when I gain weight, the weight, I'm not gaining the weight in those areas that were liposuctioned. I'm gaining the weight in my butt. (laughs) So, cause that's where the fat cells are now. Uh. Yeah. So I have gained 20 pounds since surgery and now I'm I'm not really happy with how big my butt has gotten. I want it to um, go down a little bit. So I've recently started um, kind of watching what I eat and living like a, a more healthy lifestyle um, to, to lose that 20 pounds. Um, and yeah, so it is, there's, they suggest that you do, that you do exercise um, and, and eat right. Like having like sure. and a Brazilian butt lift is not like a, you know, it's, it's a bandaid. That's all that it is. You know, right. you have like, you have to do the upkeep and, and take care of yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be in this vicious cycle of, uh, you know, gaining weight and, and getting lipo and just doing it over and over, which I'm not interested in doing whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it is. Uh, I so appreciate your transparency and talking about this. Like I said, uh, you know, I totally could have gone like the airman transportation and the fact that you're, you know, your dad came over and was an immigrant and started a business and now you've taken it over and and all of that. Like, that's a whole nother story. And yeah. the transparency and the take chargeness that Leela has had about her plastic surgery journey is the same determination that she brings to her business. And like, girl does not give up. She knows what she wants and she knows how to get and be the best and is unapologetic in that. And, you know, I can't say enough good things about Airman Transportation. I mean, you guys have, you drive us like all the time. I mean, I think, I think you drove some member of our family like four times last week with various airport travel and going into Seattle uh, every year when we go to Super Diamond, you take a whole like van load of us. And, you know, we start out 
like loud, but in good shape. And at the end of the night, it's not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you are uh, the, the most, the client of mine that uses us in the most diverse ways. So you use us in like every capacity, uh, every type of service that we provide, you use us in. So that's great. I love that. We love that about you. You really uh, take advantage of the services that we provide. And I love that because you have, you know, a large platform yourself. And so you are um, able to refer us more easily to your friends and family because you know exactly the type of services that we provide. Totally. I mean, and you know, like when you're going to a concert, you know, an Uber is great, but you want to go like, I typically am bringing like a crowd with me because I'm corralling people. And so to all be able to go together and, you know, like spoiler alert, we're drinking. And so to not drive home, that's the safe choice. And, you know, the other night going to the theater, like the car was like sitting right outside and we hopped in the car and off we went and it was so easy you know airport travel SeaTac has been crazy with trying to find parking and yeah. you know um and then you have a deal with a lot of people that are doing business travel again like i'm pretty sure that if somebody travels for business regularly you're like hey try us out and let us become your person the first time we'll do it for free And then after that, you know, your company is paying for the service and it's nice to walk out the door, have the car waiting. Here's a water. The seat's warm. Fall asleep. We'll let you know when we're there. Yep, absolutely. We do have that uh, that promotion going on. So if you are a uh, somebody who travels for for work and your company pays for your travel uh, and you travel frequently, Preferably on the east side, we do provide one free ride, no strings attached. Uh, you don't even have to book a round trip, just one ride, uh, just to see how how you like it. And if you decide to continue to be our customer, then that's great. And if not, no worries, you'll never hear from me again. Uh, but every person that has taken advantage of that promotion has become a regular client of ours. Well, of so. course. And, you know, and people will be like, oh, an Uber, it's cheaper. Yeah, here's the deal. Like, I'm going to be, talk about being transparent. Frankly, I have the money to spend a little bit more on a service where, you know, your drivers are vetted. There are checks done on them. They have to go through all kinds of testing. It's not somebody that was suddenly like, I'm an Uber driver and could be shady. And like, yes, I'm paying a little bit more, but it's, it's safe. It's secure. And when Jarrell drives, it's cute. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and I also love when you drive. And you have a bunch of drivers. And everybody, you have everybody go through all sorts of uh, vetting, as I said. So, anyway, okay. So, if you're interested in learning more about Airman Transportation for all of your transportation needs, then you can go to, is it airmantransportation.com? Yes. There you go. Uh, You know, Ask for Leela, send a note, and just be like, yo, and can we talk about plastic surgery on the ride to the airport? Um, Thank you for being so transparent. As I said, it's so important to talk about these things so that people can make up their own minds and not just come from a place of judgment. So thank you, Leela, for being my guest. Thank you always to Eric. And next week, I have a guest that's also from BNI, Pete Connolly. So that will be fun. 
Have a great week, everybody. Stay connected.